Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a monthly games club podcast discussing the worlds and workings of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Kalecki. And I'm Clint Jones. This month we're talking about Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. A pretty awesome game came out in January 2017 for Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Uh, Sort of diverging from the more action-oriented recent games in its history and coming back to the initial Haunted Mansion feel. Uh, I had a pretty great time with this game, but, you know, first things first, why did we decide to play this bad boy? Uh, Because it's Halloween. (laughs) It is. It's Halloween. It's time for a nice spooky game to come along that particular holiday. Spook 'em ups. I'm down for it, and this game brought them in force, in my opinion, at least. Uh, This was probably one of the scariest games, at least in the initial portions of it, that I've ever played. Um, You know, I think we'll go back and forth about what worked and didn't work on that front, but... A quick warning, we will be talking about the game extensively in detail. If you are worried about spoilers, you should go play the game right now and come back and listen to us afterwards, because we will be talking about anything and everything in this game. Yeah, absolutely. It's a uh, it's a game that has its fair share of twists and turns. So, and it's it doesn't take too long to complete. To be honest, probably a fifteen ish hours at the most, and you're through this this one. So, uh, consider that your warning. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit about the the background. You know, you kick off this game. You're you're Ethan Winters. He's searching for his wife in a crazy plantation inhabited by some wild cannibal family um you know you sort of do the the solving puzzles thing the fighting thing and uh i guess the most interesting thing about this from a historical perspective for this series is that it's in first person right clint i mean you have a little more exposure to this series than the rest of us so yeah so up to this point it's been sort of a top down so the first couple like it held fixed camera views they felt like they couldn't scare you if you could see certain things so they would use the camera to their advantage and against you and it kind of made it hard to play um, later on, they moved to like a third person over the shoulder kind of thing, which when they did that, they definitely turned it into more like an action series. But yeah, Resident Evil 7 is the first time they've ever done first person, which I feel took everything and ramped it up to 11. Nothing is more frightening than when it feels like it's you. Not only is it first person, but you can see your limbs, yeah. which becomes a real <laughs> big problem later, especially when you start losing them. Yeah. Uh, and then also, I really like how it looked uh film green like it was almost like somebody was wearing a gopro it it was, it was really cool and that kind of tied into how they did the vhs tapes i'm sure we'll talk about that later but yeah that that is interesting how they decide to deliver some of this story through found footage you know basically leaning into that horror movie trope of the you know blair witch project found footage type thing uh which i found yeah. pretty cool and gave like it was fun to do those areas once and then walk through them again and see how things had changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also thought it was just a real cool conceit for how to give away past information without taking control away from the player. So when you take control away, especially in a horror game, you're almost giving them like a reprieve. You're letting them rest a minute and see something. They don't ever let you do that here. It's just constant. Like you're, you're always in danger. They don't let you ever c- kind of take the breaks yeah, if if you don't mind, I think I'd kind of like to go through this, like, maybe at least somewhat area by area. We don't necessarily have to hit them all, but I think I have at least a point on, on most of them that I found pretty interesting. And, you know, the first thing being the guest house, you know, you you show up to this place, you're looking to find your wife. And I didn't actually realize that it was his wife at first. I thought it was just his girlfriend. <laughs> 
but I would never go through that for my girlfriend. <laughs> never ever. <laughs> I don't know. Was that spelled out somewhere that I just totally missed, or I don't know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. In the first mm-hmm. ten seconds. Well. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Opening cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's his wife, and she'd randomly been missing for three years, and I guess she'd just been gone, and she randomly pops up saying, "Hey, come find me." Which I thought she said, "Don't find me." Don't she? She basically sends you a video saying, "Don't come looking for me," and of course you're like, "You didn't get that one. That one didn't send. Uh, you you find that out later." So uh, well, I don't want to get too far into it, but basically she didn't want you to come, but the family did want you to. So they kind mm-hmm. of used that to their advantage. You're right. I'm getting my my videos mixed up. There's the one where yeah. she is, and she's clearly under the influence of something, and then there's the the one that I just mentioned, which is found later, where she's warning you away. But at any rate, you show up at this house and it's, you know, the front gate's locked. So you go into a guest house. And I think this is a really good introduction to the game because it's basically doing what it's going to be doing the whole game, but on a very small scale, right? You go into a house, you're sort of exploring around solving minor puzzles, but it's on a very small scale. You can sort of map the whole thing out in your head pretty quick. And I think it did a really good job. This game sort of, to me, unpeeled like like an onion. Like it just, you start off at the center... And this is not how you peel an onion, I'm realizing, but, <laughs> but <laughs> right. But basically to me, it was sort of layered like an onion where there's a center layer and then an outer layer that's larger and an outer layer beyond that that's even larger. So, and the, the small scale, the guest house to me seemed like it worked out really well for first area. Yeah. It's a good way of almost doing a tutorial, but not even really a tutorial. It, it kind of puts you on rails for a minute, but gives you plenty to do. It was it was a tutorial, I think. I mean, it wasn't called by that, and it was not, like, unfun to play through. It wasn't a break in the action, but it's definitely tutorial-level kind of area. Sure, but with, with zero, I'm going to say hand-holding, uh, it actually removes your hand at one point <laughs> <laughs> entirely. Yeah, the opposite of hand-holding, actually. And that's, yeah. that's a good point. Like, they, this game does not pull any punches right off the bat. Basically, you do no. end up finding your, your girlfriend, and um, you she catches you, and, and she is clearly, like, being influenced by something to be extremely violent towards you. And, you know, you get in a scuffle, which involves you axing her in the neck and her chainsawing your hand off. So, yeah, we, we got right into it with that one, didn't we? Yeah, the, the body gore in this game made me extremely uncomfortable at times. Like, you get hit or shot in games all the time, but very rarely do you see your limbs being sawn off. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty disconcerting, especially in the first person. It was disconcerting, it's a to lot. say the least. It's a lot to endure. And this, like to me, honestly pushes right up to like my, my squeamish like you know that, that that's about as squeamish as, as i care to see things it's it's not really normally my thing but it was so effective being in first person like that that i think it was worth experiencing and i'm realizing now this game would be completely unbearable in vr like i just i'd have to throw the headset off across the room if i was trying they to. made it in vr psvr does this Ooh. i okay so that there's two parts of the game that i just knew i would be able to take and, it, and it's that part and then there's a certain part where you walk up a set of stairs and someone gets right in your face, mm. like right in your face. And having played a lot of VR, I can tell you, things moving into your personal space yeah. in VR is terrible. And that, <laughs> I, even knowing it's coming, I think I don't, I don't think I could deal with that part. But 
I digress. Yeah, anybody who actually finished the game in PlayStation VR, kudos to you. I cannot. Yeah, I, I agree. That wouldn't be my cup of tea either, and I'm, I, I, no. I don't know. Uh, at any rate, eventually, you know, after your hand is sawed off, you pass out, um, and you wake up at a table with the sort of protagonists or the antagonists of this game, the Baker family. You've got Jack, old man Jack, uh, his wife, whose name is... Marguerite, I think. Marguerite, thank Marguerite. you. And mm-hmm. um, Lucas, the son, I believe the son. And yeah. mm-hmm. uh, also their grandmother, who is at this moment unnamed. And this is where like the game really starts to shine. You're in the main house. You're, there's this table of really gross-looking meat in front of you. I can only assume it's human. And this whole like area is just filthy. Like This game really like sells the horror of just dirty dirty gross house <laughs> being horrifying so before we get too far into that i think each character had each obviously each character had their own area but each character um focused in on a different kind of horror and you're right so this main house was jack's portion mm, yeah and it was all about rot and decay and disgusting like just grossness yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. That I guess they they do sort of like trade off and have their own areas, and uh, that's a that's a very good point with his theme being just sort of the, you know, he doesn't really care about much of anything, as is swiftly revealed to you when he you get into an altercation with him and he sh- basically shoots his own face off, um, just to show you, just to show you can do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. I had him as gruesome, visceral gore, self-harm, decay, rot, physical terror, death and dismemberment. That was that was his theme. Yeah, you know, basically when you f- you first wake up eventually, you you know, you free yourself and you're wandering around this the main house and Jack is sort of stalking you trying to to find you. Eventually you can you do confront him in the garage and he like you know, you know, I, I don't know about you guys. There's a couple ways this fight can go. I think I ended up like running him over with a car, and then he climbed into it and steered himself into a steel mm-hmm. beam, and yep, yeah, yep. and That's ended it by setting himself on fire and shooting himself in the face. Yeah, I think his words were, "Hey, look at this!" <laughs> and <laughs> shoots himself in the face. Yeah, yeah. It, it 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 never stops. Like every every time, I think that it's going to dial down, or that I've seen everything especially with Jack, every time the game would just crank it just a little bit further, make you a little more uncomfortable. I'm like, holy crap, they're actually doing this. Yeah. And they do a really good job of um, selling the the fact that these these bakers are stalking you or are in control of the situation and you're completely powerless. Like, not only are, you know, they throw you around like a ragdoll if they get close to you because they're so much more strong than you. And that also works pretty effectively, in my opinion, in first person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when uh, they get too close to you and they start pushing you around, uh, the camera just, you know, you lose control of your character, the movement, and what you're look- even what you're looking at. Uh, and that does a pretty effective job of upping the tension, upping the level of, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh... You know, you, I guess it's worth mentioning that at some point you start being guided along by another female voice who identifies herself as Zoe. Um, the yeah. prodigal daughter of the family. Yep. 
so the cool thing, so after that altercation that you were just talking about, you kind of go into a main hall, and I think this is kind of where the game nods back to previous iterations, especially like the first. So you walk into that giant room where there's different keys on all the different doors and a bunch of puzzles everywhere. That, to me, felt exactly like Resident Evil 1, and I think that's what they were trying to portray there. And I, I think that, that was probably one of my favorite parts of the game. It just felt it felt really familiar, but really fresh. I really liked what they did with it. Yeah. And then again... You have you have these enemies that you can kill, but several that you literally can do absolutely nothing about, and it keeps the terror going because you know, like, no matter how much you throw at it, you've just got to run. Yeah, that's that's a good point. This is where the game starts sort of throwing um, molded is what they're they're called, I guess, eventually at you, which are these sort of black, uh, you know, mold zombies, and they're sort of part of the infestation that's taken hold of this house and its inhabitants. And yeah, they're, they're sort of a, you know, generic mobs of this game and they're, they're scary. Yeah. And especially at the beginning where you're underpowered with just your pistol or God forbid, just your pocket knife. Um, (laughs) They're, they're enough to sort of put you on edge, but later on these guys become a little trivial. And I think that's going to get into what I think becomes a weakness of the, the third act of this game, but we'll save that for a little down the road. Gotcha. Yeah, I actually like that they had these characters in there that you could deal with because I feel like having these bakers that you literally can't do anything about, they're basically the bosses, mm-hmm. unkillable, would make you feel almost too powerless. They gave you something that you could fight against and at least chip away at a little bit so you felt like you had some progress or maybe you could make a difference. I like I liked how it played. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, you know, eventually you do make your way through the house and, you know, Zoe continues to drive you along. And basically she somehow, and as still sort of as of yet unclear about this, she has figured out a way to, you know, concoct a serum to take care of the infestation. And it involves you tracking down a couple items, a a head and an arm from like an, an infected subject. And, you know, once you're, you initially emerge out of the main house, that's when you start to go on these little quests to collect the the serum ingredient items. And mm-hmm. uh, the first one you seek out brings you in contact with Marguerite over in the old house, uh, which is another separate building on the property. Yep. And so kind of how I was talking about uh, the way Jack was, I kind of had uh, Marguerite as like that. In- it was all insects, um, haunted house, almost like, tainted religion psychological horror kind of thing going on yeah i thought the interesting thing about her uh you know marguerite's whole appearance was you know very insect based obviously and it's to me spoke of like a meeting of the western and japanese styles of horror right like she is a super japanese horror looking character like really intense body horror with a lot of like nature integrated with the weird like you know stomach beehive going on that she <laughs> like yeah. it is a disturbing image and i think the the place that this game in particular shines for me as a horror game is where it does do that blending of like western horror and american gothic type stuff with the more japanese resident evil campy crazy nature body horror yeah i feel like it did a good job of blending it so different people are scared of different things and instead of having one theme throughout you kind of it kind of like pulled it all the threads a little bit said oh if that didn't do it for you maybe this will get you maybe not this maybe this will make you uncomfortable and it kind of just goes through the whole gamut <laughs> a little bit without and it did it without feeling too add to me which i thought was cool 
I agree. It it seemed like it transitioned pretty logically. And, you know, it's going to become clear later on, but that the first area, Main House, and the whole Jack saga was definitely what worked most effectively for me. Um, I think the game, you know, slowly but surely sort of trended downwards to, you know, the, the old house I thought was still pretty darn good. The, you know, after that, and I don't know if you had anything else, anybody had anything else on the old house, but you get to this testing area, which is sort of Lucas's area once you dispose of marguerite and the testing area in my opinion is where you know it's basically an escape room is what he sets up for you uh and i don't know it seemed a little contrived to me um (laughs) for one i think i i got a a bit of a glitch in here because the first time through you know he sets this trap for you and you're supposed to die by a fire made out of with with the gasoline that leaks into the room and i did die by that the first time through i don't think you're supposed to die to it but the second time through, I just bypassed that because I knew the tattoo code, so I didn't end up having to spill the gasoline all over the room. Oh no, that's that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to see the other guy fail it in the tape, oh. and then <laughs> that that's the whole conceit. There, you watch Lucas's videotape that he's kept of him killing some guy in his escape room, and then that's how you know. Well, I ended up just watching a video of myself, so I guess that works out. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool, actually. I really like that. So again, it kind of ties into that whole, it's basically Saw. He's he's Jigsaw. Oh, that's a very good point. It is exactly like Saw. Hmm. Yep. So they played into that whole popular horror theme as well. Huh. I'm, I'm, you know, I think there's totally like, there's an industry out there where there's just games like this, virtual escape rooms, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there that is actually a genre of game now that I'm thinking about it. So mm-hmm. um, have you been to an actual one? No, but I want to. We should do one. Field trip. VGBC field trip. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, at any rate, um, you know, finally you do escape the testing area that Lucas puts you through and you you end up at a boathouse where you finally make the serum and you're asked to make a choice between Mia and Zoe. And I don't know if like the game just didn't lay any track for why anyone would choose Zoe, but this seemed like the dumbest possible choice to give a player in the world to me. Like, who wouldn't choose Mia in this situation? Uh, if you do yeah. choose choose Zoe, like, um, the game is a little bit harder later on. There's an extra boss fight to do against Mia, um, and Zoe dies anyways, or appears to die. Well, that's because it's clearly the wrong choice, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is literally some crazy... Um, possibly cannibal woman you just met in a swamp versus your wife okay okay but to be fair she's been nice to you the whole time and mia has tried to murder you and dismember you multiple times <laughs> maybe we're just maybe we're over this. mia <laughs> maybe, maybe, well maybe or maybe we're just coming at this from three dudes in long-term relationships so <laughs> you know um uh, that's another possibility i suppose but yeah. Either way, I chose Mia. I don't know if, if you both did too. Didn't either of you not? I tried. I've tried it both ways, and and you're right. It pretty much punishes you immediately with with no. Um, there was no point in in picking Zoe. So I I think they should have eliminated the choice. It really didn't add much to the game for me. I thought that was its weakest choice. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a. Here's a significant choice you have that turns out not to be very significant. Yeah. They just railroad you back onto it afterwards. Yeah, it, it means absolutely nothing. And the dumb thing is when you pick Zoe, Zoe dies. And then immediately the next part, you wake up as Mia. Like Mia is back in the game again. She's like, okay. 
It's the same exact thing that happens <laughs> if you just pick Nia. Yeah, I was like, nice try, but we really thought you were going to pick Nia there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know why you didn't. Uh, we forgot to write this part of the game. Uh, you're Mia. Actually, well, I think when she wakes up, she's like, how did this even happen? Like, that comes out of her mouth. And I'm like, it's a good question. None of us knows. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, there's got to be something going through someone's head that would choose Zoe, but I can't really fathom it. Uh, regardless this is where the game started to kind of lose me like you you know Wes you ride off on the boat with Mia to me this is kind of where the game should have ended Um, they instead tack on this portion with the ship which does give you some background as to how this contamination initially came to the bayou along with Mia uh, which was good it's nice to have that background Uh, anybody have anything to say on the ship because other than that I think it was pretty boring uh, see, I uh, I think I felt that way the first time I played it, but the second time I definitely had more appreciation for it. Now, sometimes games will do this thing where you're almost getting too powerful, so they reset you towards the end, like, ha, take that. <laughs> I felt like, uh, especially with horror games, the more you progress, the more powerful you are and the less you have to be afraid of because you're, you know, you're competent. You can take care of threats and all that kind of thing. And we're just getting to that point with the main character. Mm-hmm. And then you start playing as Mia. And I don't know... They make if you go would... through the power curve again. Correct. And it's it's much quicker this time. I, I, I felt it was effective. I, I liked how it added a couple more hours and it brought you back to... So, so here... It got you some explanation, but it also brought you back to zero and you got to like ride that curve again. I want to push back on that because I think that basically what they did is they gave you a watered down version of the power curve, right? Like you're facing just generic enemies, not interesting. You go through the power curve more quickly, which is, yeah, fun and kind of interesting, but I've done this before. In my opinion, this was basically just tacking on a couple extra hours where they could have maybe just done the story exposition through some like in in a more expedient fashion and basically just watered down the whole experience, right? Because this was so good and satisfying doing that power curve the first time that doing it the second time in, you know, like I said, a, a diluted version just didn't really, didn't help the whole experience for me. I kind of agree with that. I feel like if a game's going to make you go through the power curve, make you go through all that progression to rob you of that at the end, just because it's like the developers giving up and saying, we need more hours here and we can't think of anything interesting to do. So we're going to make a sequel inside the game yeah. um, <laughs> where it tells them, you know, it's not it's like a direct to TV sequel. It's not a proper sequel. Even it's like um, you just we're going to reset you to zero and have you go back through all of this again. And it's not to say that that can't be done well. I, I do appreciate when you get the. Uh, when you get enough explanation of everything going on. Um, Mm -hmm. But I feel like the way they did this could have been done better. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. And, uh, and, and, you know, at this point, basically, you're, as Clint said, you're Mia. Eventually, you do save Ethan. And and then they bring you right back to where you were. You know, you're Ethan, you still got all your gear, and now you're off to sort of close the 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 story out at the mine the salt mine which is where this game goes full um you know fps zombie shooter on you basically all that sort of tense being you know pursued puzzly american gothic stuff is out the window and you're in a industrial mine with zombies in it 
was like, all right, we just did a complete 180 here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at, at this point, they do understand that you you are finally competent, and so they, I think they, they try to, okay, fine, you think you can shoot zombies, and I think at the, at the last part, Let's they literally that, drop yeah. every single one, and, and it will keep happening until you get out, so it's kind of like a, a rush to get out, deal with as much as you can in horde mode, almost. You know, to be fair, and I'm, I'm probably being overly harsh on this game, because if their goal here was to, you know, make sure you get all of these different types of horror experiences in one, they certainly accomplished that. But maybe what, what I'm coming down at is some of them worked better for me than others. And some of them, I think, were just executed better than others. And I feel sure. like even the goal of trying to offer up a poo-poo platter of horror experiences isn't necessarily the right goal. I think you should be trying to, like, focus on a very strong thematic sort of thing as opposed to going grab bag going down the sharp uh the supermarket shopping aisle and taking a little bit of this a little bit of that it can be it, it can be okay it can be um good but i feel like adding something in for the sake of adding it in and collecting all the different horror experiences isn't necessarily a wise choice so I, I definitely agree with you, Josh. I, I'm always one to say lean into your strengths and try and minimize your, your weaknesses. And it's clear what was stronger, what, what they were stronger at in this game, in my opinion, at least. But in the historical context of the series, and Clint, maybe I'll let you talk to this. Do you think like, do you feel like as a fan, a more of a fan of the series, at least than, than Josh and I, that this was, you know, warranted and, and good for how they handled it or how they at least paid homage to the series as a whole oh yeah like a so, tradition they were harking back to yeah I, I i just feel like depending okay so again i talked about this in the, in the first house the first couple houses felt very resident evil one and two and then you start to get a little stronger and they start dropping more stuff on you that plays into so resident evil 4 was probably one of the most popular i don't want to say it's it came out for GameCube. It was definitely, it's what saved that system. And it has been remade on every single system since. Like that game has a huge following. Yeah. And that was very, really good. it's excellent. And it's very action oriented. They, I feel like if they didn't do that part at the salt mines, that's almost like a, well, forget you. Yeah. All these people that love Resident Evil, uh, sorry, nothing for you here. So that may not have played well for you, but there are a ton of people that played the series that want that kind of experience. I feel like they did blend it pretty well. And yeah, you're right. Uh, when you just have complete ADD and you're picking a million things out because you don't know it works, that doesn't play well. But I think they picked a solid, like, three, like I said, they play into physical horror with Jack, psychological horror with Marguerite, and emotional horror with, with Lucas. Hmm. And then they give you a little bit of action at the end for all the people that love, you know, Resident Evil 4, 5, 6. All right. You know, it's they, kind of, they kind of tie the whole thing together. I think that's that's fair enough, and this is probably as good a time as any to pivot into mechanics. But first, I'll just you know close out the sort of plot summary by saying you know you do make a final push and eventually confront uh, Evelyn, who's the little girl that's sort of apparently the source of this mold uh, that's been affecting the family members in the surrounding area. She find out that she's also been manifesting as you know the the grandmother figure, which I think was a super interesting turn. You know, basically yeah. finding out that those two were one and the same and that that's why you keep sort of seeing her appear at random spots all over the the estate. Oh, no, that, that's actually her. So that that old grandma is her in her current state. The, the little girl you're saying, that's the manifestation. She's she's mm. pretty much she's pretty much dead. Like um, you, you may have caught this a little bit. They don't 
handhold you on the story too much, but no. basically they, uh, you, in some of the notes, you can see that she's aging rapidly and going out of control. Like they don't know what's going on. Like she was completely stable for quite some time and everything was fine. She goes off the rails on the boat and then all of a sudden she's become unstable. She's rapidly aging. She's causing trouble all over the place and everything implodes. And that's where you kind of mm. come in. Come on. But in. yeah, it, it was super fun because she's just sitting around the house like all the time. It'll turn around and she's just there. And you're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the main boss, grandma. It really is bizarre. And like, you know, when you eventually do fight her at the end, you sort of have wrapped around from the salt mine back into the guest house and, you know, where it be it ends where it begins. And, you know, as basically military helicopters are flying in overhead, dropping you some support for the final fight, you, you know, Ethan heroically takes out this crazy Grandma. gothic horror grandmother <laughs> monster and, <laughs> you know, closes out the, the game or at least the game proper. We'll talk maybe a little bit about the yeah. expansion and uh, not a hero here in a bit, but I think that's as good a place as any to call it on the plot and maybe talk yeah. a bit about mechanics. Uh, so mechanically, I mean, um, anytime you have a horror game, uh, there are going to be talking about tension and a lot of the plotting or sorry, pacing of the horror game is going to be about moments of tension versus relief. Uh, and your attention, obviously, you know, you have all sorts of things chasing you. Your relief is anytime you get to a save room or you get to a part where you don't have anything chasing you that you know of yet. Uh, I think the game does a fairly good job of dividing up the tension versus the relief areas. Like, you know, you come across a puzzle room and something's chasing you. You're like, well, I'll take a note of this and come back to it later. Um, but then you can, when you can come back to it, you can, and you can solve the puzzle more at a leisurely pace because mm. no use solving a shadow box puzzle when there's an axe murderer behind you. <laughs> so I but think damn it, I a... tried a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, it's... the game doesn't stop for me to <laughs> make shadow puppets on the wall? What's going on? It It is pretty cool how it sort of rushes you. The game does this a couple times. It rushes you past what you know to be something you have to return to interact and solve. But, you know, you're just like, oh, well, put that in the little mental notebook. I know I'm going to have to ditch this, you know, pursuing adversary and eventually make my way back to, you know, progress through here. Um, I feel like the game did a very good job with navigation, letting you know where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do or what you can do. And... um getting back to that later yeah and there was almost zero hand holding like they didn't explain like you need to come back here it was all visual cues like the keys with the pictures on it you're like oh shit i've seen that crow on a door before i need to go back to there and it also had very dark souls type of level design which i know brian probably i mean yeah no i i totally agree with you there it it keeps folding back in it does and every time a, a game level design does that where you you say you can say oh i'm back here i know this place uh, that always sort of <laughs> makes me real happy and yeah i agree it, this game did that particularly well in the the initial big main house area yeah. Um, but a little to a lesser extent in the larger sort of estate where, you know, you went through the greenhouse and old house and all that stuff. Um, right. Yeah. Then the yard becomes the central point that you just keep coming back to. I do like bit. how it sort of progressed in that sort of giving you the new home base as you went along and continually, you know, widening the world for you. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's worth mentioning this game is a crafting system. 
And uh, <laughs> that's a mechanic that is in this game. Uh, because and every, it's required. <laughs> yeah, and every game has a crafting system these days. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Making the serum it does require you to use that crafting system. And uh, to a lesser extent, you know, the crafting system will make this game a heck of a lot easier for you as you're making your way through it. Um, I don't know if you guys, did, this is a thing that you did, but crafting the super bullets is something that was never spelled out to me, but I just suddenly, you know, by mashing two things together adventure game style realized you could do and it makes a yeah. big difference yep uh again a lot of games i ignore crafting just because i'm like this feels tacked on it, it was simple enough but also important enough that i did it all throughout i don't know how you survive the game without doing it personally um mm -hmm. yeah it i think it was definitely it, i'm glad it was there i don't think it was hugely additive but as a person who has like tendencies to love rpgs and you know stockpile supplies and feel prepared going into situations it scratched that itch for me in a big way and i think it definitely contributed in in helping me enjoy the game at least yeah i think it added a little bit to the terror too so um you kind of have to make a choice you get that uh fluid or whatever and you mm -hmm. find these other things well the 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 additives that can make whatever are a little more prevalent but the the chem fluid or, or whatever that you need to mix it with to make the item that's a lot less available. So you have to really think like, do I need bullets right now? Do I need explosives? And most of the time you're right. Yeah, they don't even tell you what it's gonna make. So it's a risk just doing it in the first place. So I, I think it adds a little bit more tension and then you get to a later part like, well shoot, I way overdid it on one item and I really need the other one now. And I just need to find a way to make it work. And it just, again, it adds to the tension and the terror a little bit. I think one of the traditional Resident Evil things is kind of like um, a horror through resource management or through limited resources. That's a good point. And they did a good job, I think, integrating that with the crafting system here where, like Clint says, um, you have to choose between getting super bullets or getting some more health or something like that. Uh, it's one of the ways that they take control away from the player, which is... The difference between, say, like a horror game and an action first-person shooter game is the different ways in which they limit the player. Uh, it's much more tense when you're fighting a zombie with 100 bullets versus you're fighting a zombie with three bullets. Uh, and you have to figure out how to manage your resources to do that. And I haven't played any of the other Resident Evils before. Uh, scratch that. I played one of them for five, maybe 15 minutes. But Clint, which, was that an accurate assessment of the previous games, you think? Yeah, especially in the first couple, again, so Resident Evil, like, let's say one through three, you were very limited. Yeah, you'd have a gun, but good, you've got, like, three bullets, and when you miss that first shot, you're just freaking out. You're like, should I even, should I run? Should I try to fight this? I don't even know if I can kill it now. Should I load a uh, save? <laughs> oh, man, that's something uh, that Resident Evil 1, I think even 2, punished you on big time that they don't even do anymore because it's too much. You'd have to find ink ribbons for your typewriter, so saves were oh. few and were they were oh, just as for a resource too huh? oh yeah they were just as rare as bullets if not more so you really had to, there wasn't any like okay i'm gonna do this quick thing and then i'm gonna save and then i'll move on to the next thing and then if i mess up i can just go right back no it's like it's and been an hour since i've saved should i save now i don't know interesting it it really it really pushed the limits i'm kind of glad that went away it it kind of it definitely pushed the horror and the tension but it kind of pulled back especially when you had to redo long 
I'm on, of the game. I'm on the fence as to whether I want to see that mechanic come back. I think someone out there has to make a game that uses that in a smart and interesting way, and then we'll play it, as long as it's hmm. short and not frustrating. <laughs> How do you feel about Iron Man modes? Oh, like no saves, no deaths? I like roguelikes. I don't mm-hmm. like Iron Man modes. <laughs> I'll say I like roguelikes better than I like roguelites. And I've mm. seen a lot more of the roguelites around mm. lately, which I feel it's like you're not getting quite the same thing. Anyways, I feel like tangent. most people find it to be too punishing. I think that's... We do need to do a rogue, roguish game at some point. We'll we'll figure that one out down the line. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, at any rate, I think now is as good a time as any, unless any, any final words on mechanics before we move on to maybe some thematic points. I had a question for you. We've done a number of uh, horror games now, Soma, and I would say Subnautica as well. Uh, and huge difference between this one and that and those ones is that in this one, you have a gun and you can shoot, well, not all the enemies, but a good number of the enemies you come across during the game. How does that make the game different, do you feel? I can take that first. Um, in my opinion, I, in my opinion, the ability of the, the gun or the weapon, whatever you want to um, categorize it as, is that ability to push back. And while I think in some situations it undercuts the terror, I think they do a pretty good job in this game by not letting it do that. Basically, as soon as you uh, confront your first major enemy, Jack, in, Resident, in this game, Resident Evil 7, you are shooting him with a gun, and he dies. And then five minutes later, you're confronting him again, and it is even more terrifying because you yeah. had previously thought you disposed of him. So to, to play into that, you literally get the gun, and you think, thank God, I can actually do something now. You, you're right. You shoot at Jack. It does nothing. You run him over with a car. It does nothing. He lights himself on fire. And then almost to laugh at you and say, this gun doesn't mean anything to me, he takes it from you and shoots his own head off. Says, yeah. deal with it. So I think, I think Josh, you know, to your question, I think normally it, it, it does undercut the horror of a game a lot. But it subverted the trope in this game, you know, by the fact that the gun gives you power that... Uh, I think it was actually more effective for them to include the weapons in this game than it was for, would have been for them to disinclude them. Okay, I agree with that. I think, yeah, I listen to what you guys say. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, talking about horror games in a you know thematic way in general, like, I'm a scaredy cat. Normally this stuff doesn't really do it for me. Like, jump scares for their own sake don't really, you know, make my socks go up and down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Like, Where are you wearing uh, those socks? The... <laughs> yeah, no, I guess I played this game barefoot apparently because it really did work for me in this game. Like maybe it was just like so well done and surprising or maybe it was the fact that this game had pretty well written dialogue compared to some other horror games I've played. Um, you know, I think Soma was pretty well written, so maybe that's not fair. But this game didn't really run you through like sort of the trial and error, you know, hardships of what Soma did. And it didn't annoy you with sort of the, you know, rinse and repeat aspects of horror games that usually are what caused them to wear me down. And, you know, after the initial scare, it's just kind of like, all right, what song and dance do I have to do to get to the next area? This game felt diegetic enough and all of that, that it, it kept it interesting for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, even though I'm not normally a horror guy, like it worked out. Um, and yeah, you know, so it's- Go ahead. I was going to say, it's it's not my theme either, usually, but 
actually I'm not into horror movies, horror games. I think the only other uh, horror series that I've ever really loved was Dead Space. Hmm. I've never played any of those, but I'm interested. Oh, or Alien Isolation. That one holds a special place in my heart. That That is very hard and it's very frightening for a whole different reason. I've heard mm-hmm. that's really good, but too long. Is that true? It's very long. I think it's, oh goodness, like 20 hours or some crazy thing like that. But it's the exact opposite. You have one enemy after you the whole time. Hmm. And the alien. For, for the most part, yeah. For the most part, it's just the alien. And you have nothing to fight back with, really. You get a flamethrower at some point, but it just annoys it, if anything. Hmm. And it's all about the noises. Like, you, you think you can hear it. Is it around? I don't know. And it can literally pop out at any moment. And I think that that worked really well here in Resident Evil 2. Uh, because like especially in the old house you could hear the floorboards creaking above you yeah Yeah, and you're like okay is that actually going to mean something or is this just you know uh ambient sound and sometimes it did mean something sometimes it didn't it always kept you on your toes for me this was actually the thing that killed the game for me was the sound design i was not a terrible fan of this game um i'd say for the jump scares it had i feel like jump scares are kind of a cheap way to up the tension i mean it's they're going after you to surprise you with a jump scare, and surprise is not really an emotion, it's a reaction. I feel it's much harder to craft a game where your theme stands on its own, and I think the frustrating thing for me is I think this game could have been that. I It had a very strong southern gothic theme to it you know you have all the decay of southern society uh like a literary genre it's a very fascinating thing uh, if you listen if you ever read any faulkner or um o'connor or anything like that it's kind of like after the civil war the elite the aristocracy of the south was kind of left with nothing left after the mm-hmm. slaves in the land were taken away from them quote unquote so unfairly too uh just kidding but um how how that kind of like rotted the southern soul and the haunted southern mansion is an old trope which and this and this uh game was literally rotting from the inside i felt like the theme was very strong in this game and could have just stayed with that but they kept doing these jump scares and then you'd be walking around you'd hear these random sounds and you don't know whether it's uh, whether it's pertinent or not, and I felt like that was a very intentional thing to do, and it upped the tension a lot, but it cheapened the game for me. You know, I, I hear you on that, actually. Um, you know, this game, to me, works best when it, you know, it it is doing terror slash fear and not necessarily horror for the most part. But to me, the game did work the best when it it was sort of trying to deliver on that rurin southern decay you know where each room bared the sort of cluttered history of a few generations of occupants and there's all this crazy shit on the wall and Mm -hmm. you know you're basically walking through the remains of uh, a slow but steady economic and social downfall of this family and you know that culminates for the bakers and their (laughs) their bayou being the victim of an industrial catastrophe that turned them into cannibals uh, <laughs> maybe a little maybe a little more dramatic than most downfalls of southern aristocracies but um still an interesting point and i'm glad you brought that up because it was kind of exactly what uh, i had here in my thematic notes as well but you're right that it didn't really lean into it all the way it definitely leaned more into the 
tension and terror than it did the horror of that decay. You know, that being said, the shitty evil corporation theme shines through once again, which is something we've seen in our last few games. <laughs> I think we're going to just continually see that one. <laughs> That's actually pretty much, if you could pick a main theme for the entire Resident Evil series, that is what uh, what it all is about. And it's all about that Umbrella Corp, which w what made the ending interesting for me, Umbrella Corp is actually the company that's coming in to clean it up mm -hmm. at the end. They kind of reveal that right at the end. And if you play the Not a Hero DLC, you kind of get like characters from previous games that are now working with Umbrella and they're not trusting it. They're like, is this real? Is it not? I don't trust you yet kind of thing. So... Yeah, it's interesting. Like, that was, a you know, Umbrella, like, I, I know enough about Resident Evil to know Umbrella Corp's place in the, you know... I saw the movie. The war. <laughs> yeah, hey. <laughs> Possibly the worst piece in the whole series. You know, I remember seeing it. It was made around the same time as Jurassic Park, and just seeing the special effects from one versus the other. Resident Evil, the movie, has not aged very well. No. <laughs> but don't worry, they made, like, seven of them, so just watch watch one of the new ones. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'll put another one in the video game movie graveyard. Yeah. Um, at any rate, <laughs> a long and illustrious hall of <laughs> yeah. the dead is that. Uh, any final words on theme before we head into a three-word review? All righty. Um, let's close this guy out with a three-word review. Uh, Clint, you want to kick us off? Sure. I've got good, gruesome fun. Uh, I really liked this game and how it kind of returned to its roots and how it didn't shy away from any of the punches. Uh, sometimes horror games will bring you up to the edge and then pull you back. This game had a special way of just following through on each bit of terror and horror, and I really liked that. All right, for me, I had the three words, scary, funhouse, thrills. Uh, this was a legitimately scary game, but for me, there were the kind of I'd say cheap scares in there too that really didn't work for me at all. Just kind of a, from a world building and uh, enjoyment perspective as well. If that's your thing, I think this is a great game and you'd like it. But if not, then I think you could find some other horror titles to scratch that Halloween itch. Fair enough. And uh, my three-word review was a cut above. Uh, not only because you are initially cut quite badly in this game, and several times at that, but also due to the fact that this game rises above its genre, for me in particular, uh, as not normally being a horror guy. Uh, you know, this genre generally doesn't shine for me, but I really enjoyed this game and would place it a cut above the rest. And with that, I guess we will close out our discussion on Resident Evil 7 Bioshock uh, next month for November. Skyrim, seven years to the month after the initial release of that game. We'll be touching back on it. I'm going to play through the special edition that was recently released, uh, although it still looks pretty much like the initial release. <laughs> uh, pretty much exactly. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. Fus Roda. See you in a month. Uh -huh.